Do you find there are some things about your partner you really seem to dislike? This could be because of your shadow. Today, we're going to talk about the shadow, what it is, and how it can affect your relationships, and what you can learn from it. If you'd like to learn more about how to improve your relationships or how to create a fulfilling relationship, head over to therelationshipmaze.com where we have lots of free resources and our online conflict style quiz where you can discover your conflict style and relationships. And press subscribe right now. Welcome to today's episode of The Relationship Maze, and today we're exploring the fascinating concept of the shadow. Yeah, so the shadow, the concept of the shadow was originally developed by uh, Carl Gustav Jung. You might have heard of Jung, he's one of the, the grand uh, figures, father figures uh, in psychoanalysis and psychotherapy. And Jung um, had this idea that we have different structures in our um, personality. Um, and two of the structures that he talks about are our persona. That's kind of what we like to show to the world. So what we usually show to other people is um, our persona, who we also think we are. We kind of identify with our persona. And generally, we try to show ourselves in the best possible light to others. Um, the, the flip side of our persona, so to speak, is the shadow. So that's the part of us that we want to disown, that we don't like which holds uh, all sorts of um, guilts, uh, feelings of inferiority that we have, or parts of ourselves that we really, don't, that we really want to hide uh, to other people, our dark parts, so to speak, that we have to repress. So if we're thinking about uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the shadow is the Mr. Hyde part of us. So it's the parts, for example, that feels jealousy, rage, that has murderous... Um, antisocial uh, desires, um, it could be uh, jealousy, for example. So all of that is part of our shadow. Yeah, so exactly. So in some contexts, those are the things that we really feel we don't, you know, we really don't want to show, that, mm. you know, are potentially even dangerous. Mm. Uh, but there could also be some aspects of a shadow that there are some useful aspects to that too. We could also suppress things like creativity. Mm. We could, and, you know, even things like anger and rage, they have a place. Absolutely. And if we shut them off fully, it's not that they're not there, it's that they're kind of writhing underneath somewhere. So, mm-hmm. you know, I suppose a modern day example of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is, sorry to use this example, The Incredible Hulk. I've never watched that. <laughs> so in terms of that superhero, where it sort of suddenly, when he's made angry, turns into this creature, this rageful creature. Mm. But at the same time, there's that sense of actually, you know, that's even become a superhero. So it's in terms of, you know, these drives that we seek to suppress, but it's maybe that not all of those aspects are always bad. Yeah, well, and also I think we have to distinguish between... Um, parts that are sort of culturally defined as having to be repressed. For example, murderous impulses. I think in most societies that would be seen as something that's not uh, acceptable. We've all learned that that's something that's not okay. And kind of other parts that we have learned through our own socialization, through our own upbringing by our parents, which we think we have to suppress, which are very personal to us, our own personal histories. 
Yeah. 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 And, and one example of this, and like you said, so there are these, these aspects that we learn are not acceptable because mm. of when we're grown up, where we're maybe told off or maybe kind of made to feel shame by our carers if we have these sort of instincts. Mm. Uh, you know, a classic example is rage, mm. where a child throws these tantrums all the time and, you know, is fairly told off or isolated because they're, they're expressing this rage, which, you know, the parents see as is really awful, really shameful. Mm. And so as a result, that part is put aside. Mm. And the persona then comes out, which is being overly nice, being kind and never having anger, never having rage. Mm. However, it will come out. And sometimes we see this coming out, actually, in how we perceive other people or things, Mm. that we may see other people as angry. Mm -hmm. We may experience other people as rageful when maybe they're not being angry, maybe they're not necessarily expressing rage, but we experience this because we project it. Yeah, exactly. And even things, you know, such as um, prejudice is often, we see this in this projection, Mm -hmm. where we put aside these deep feelings of rage, we put aside these deep feelings of, uh, of our own sense of inferiority, and we project them onto other groups of people. Absolutely. So whatever we have to disown that we cannot tolerate in ourselves, we then often propel out and, and so to speak, uh, attribute it to someone else. And of course, this happens, uh, we're talking, particularly when we're talking about couple relationships, this happens all the time. So that, you know, there are aspects of myself, I might not like my own anger. So I might feel um, I can't express my anger because I learned that anger is not something that I should be showing to other people. So instead, I attribute the anger to my partner. So I say, well, why are you so angry, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and very often the partner then might actually start to feel angry yeah. because they're wrong, they think this is a wrong uh, uh, you know, attribute. I'm not actually feeling angry and then you're getting into that. So this is what um, we've talked about in another podcast, much, I think quite a while ago. This is a phenomenon that uh, is also talked about as projective identification, this kind of... You know, whatever you cannot tolerate in yourself, you kind of expel into the other person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and <clears throat> that, that's a, a really good example. I think another example, it doesn't seem like it would be something that necessarily should become part of a shadow. But I've seen mm. it frequently with clients mm-hmm. where uh, there's the, that sense that accepting compliments and mm. f- saying things that you do, your achievements, celebrating your achievements gets associated with that um, sense of arrogance. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it with certain sort of um, people I've worked with or or people I know who even parents from sort of certain, often sort of religious sort of themes where the sense is you should never boast. It's wrong to Mm -hmm. boast. Mm -hmm. And so anything that's just... Because there's a difference between acknowledging that you've done something well Mm. and being arrogant. I think that's the thing, is where this gets confused and parents say you shouldn't boast, you shouldn't talk about yourself, suddenly that capacity to acknowledge your own self-worth gets hidden. Mm. Or is experienced as a shadow, exactly. Yeah, it's experienced as a shadow. Yeah, Yeah. And and then we build Mm. this sense that we're not worthy and that we can't accept compliments. Mm. And so as a result, you know, where somebody compliments you for something you've done and the response is like, oh, I haven't really done anything. Mm. And as a result, the other person may stop complimenting them. And in a relationship, this dynamic is quite interesting because, you know, to me, giving a compliment and accepting a compliment are both 
lovely things. I agree. It's a bit like giving a present. If you give someone a present at Christmas or any time of the year, it doesn't have to be Christmas, um, you know, if you get given this present and you say, no, I don't want it, mm. how does that make the giver feel? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it makes them feel, really, you know, it feel, mm. makes them feel bad because mm. you want to be able to give. And part of that is receiving. I think it's the same with compliments. Receiving that compliment helps the person giving the compliment feel good. And as a result, in a relationship, if we're saying something nice to our partner and it's not received, that will stop being given. And then as a result, this resentment may grow where we start thinking, my partner never says anything nice about me. Mm. And part of this may be from this shadow where mm. we find it difficult to receive compliments, that we, we begin to stop them being given to us mm. unconsciously because we can't receive them. But then we start to blame the other person for not acknowledging us and for, for the good attributes that we have. So there's mm. a systemic part that I think is really interesting mm. in relationships. Yes, absolutely. So it, it depends very much on what you, um, in terms of your personal shadow, not just the sort of collective shadow that we all have, the sort of rules and morals that we have in society. In terms of your personal shadow, um, if you have been brought up to believe that certain qualities need to be repressed because, and they're not acceptable, then you associate them with shame. Mm. You fill them with shame and therefore they need to be pushed down because, you know, shame is one of, we've talked about shame before, is one of the most difficult emotions to engage with. So you want to get rid of that. You want to push this down and therefore... Even qualities, as you say, which for someone else might not have that association of um, shame at all, mm. will have to be um, put to the side. So, so what are we saying here? It's really important to acknowledge, to bring your, sh um, your shadow into the sunlight, right? Yeah, but actually just one other thing that I'd add to that, I don't know what you think, but I yeah. think maybe not just shame, but also fear. Fear, yeah. Because it could be through punishment. Yeah. It could yeah. be through, yeah. you know, parents hitting us or mm. isolating us where we're mm. made to feel afraid, where mm. we set this sense of we do something and we're made to feel fear, mm. we're made to feel pain. So we associate pain with that part of us. Or fear mm. becomes associated to whenever we think of that part of us, for example, self-expression or mm. creativity. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so yeah, so absolutely. So what do we do with this? Yeah, I mean, how do you bring... This is the tricky bit and I think um, this is... The, also the, the sort of paradox in a way because I think by its very nature the shadow is something that is very deeply repressed so it's usually not something that's part of our conscious awareness mm. we've pushed it down because it's too unbearable we don't want to look at it it's you know something we don't like about mm -hmm. uh, ourselves um, and therefore of course it's quite challenging to engage in this process of looking of parts of ourselves that we don't like Mm. about ourselves but that's the task in a way it's acknowledging that it's also knowing that yes I have these feelings I have feelings that um, I associate with being really troublesome but you know I have rage I have anger and it's okay to have that yeah yeah, yeah and I think the question is also how do you notice those things mm. too and I think there's a phrase that I quite like which is perception is projection mm. is we often perceive the world and people in the world around us uh, in terms of what we project onto them which mm. comes largely from the shadow mm. so if I experience a lot of people as hostile mm -hmm. 
um, and other people don't. You know, obviously, if we live in an environment which mm. is hostile, mm. if it's a war zone, that's that's mm. going to be different. But if we experience hostility and other people don't seem to, mm. could this be something I'm projecting from my shadow? That's a very good point. Yeah, exactly. I think sometimes even journaling through the day, at the end of the day, and noticing mm. what are some of the feelings you regularly experience that maybe you, you don't feel comfortable with about other people? Mm. What are the qualities in them that you experience? Mm. And then reflecting, what's, what's this within me that maybe is brought up here? Yeah, that's a very good example. I'm thinking also often um, with clients I've worked with who experience uh, low self-esteem or social anxiety, there's often this fear that other people will judge them, um, that they will make comments about them, that they think they're not entertaining, interesting enough. And that might come from that kind of shadow self, this mm. idea that actually you are judging other people, you are thinking that that's what they will think about you. It's your own material, it's your shadow material yeah. that's coming to the fore here. Well, actually, I've worked with a lot of people with that sort of example who mm. actually do start to recognise that mm. they believe people are going to judge them because they, or they know that they do judge people. Mm-hmm. They experience this, walking mm. down the street and making a judgment about people. And mm. so there's this sense that, well, people will be doing this about me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, yeah so it's, it, it's kind of absolutely, I think it's, if, if there's a theme, yeah. that's what you are describing, right? If there's a particular yeah. theme, if there is a particular experience that you frequently have, a relational experience, an experience that you have in your relationship with others, where you experience people in a certain way, then that might be an indication that this is your shadow material yeah? Yeah. that's manifesting here. Yeah. Um, another way sometimes I think is also, you know, again, it's through somatic experience, if there are very strong reactions that you have, if you notice that you get that kind of butterfly feelings in your stomach, if you notice there's particular anxiety, that might relate to uh, your shadow material, your, your own discomfort uh, with certain situations, then... Be curious about that. Explore what is it that I'm experiencing here. Why am I? Why might I feel that? Why might I have this discomfort in this situation? Yeah, absolutely. And another way as well is thinking what's absent in your experience. Yeah. Like, do you never seem to experience a certain emotion like mm. anger, mm-hmm. which is quite common? So yes. anger is naturally occurring in some instances. Is that you know biologically anger serves that that mm. drive maybe to defend yourself or you know to respond with mm. attack if it's appropriate in in a biological yeah. uh, way. Absolutely. If we never experience that, it's always a clue that mm. there's something that maybe we can't face within ourselves mm. that's too shameful or too frightening. Mm. So mm. that may also be a clue about the shadow. Mm. I think also in terms of sometimes the direction we have in life, in terms of where we seem to be moving towards, is sometimes driven by what we feel is missing in our lives or what we didn't receive. And mm. there may be something within the shadow there as well. Mm, absolutely. And I think, yeah, in terms of couples' relationships, I think it's think about the qualities about the qualities that your partner has that annoy you <clears throat> the most, that you find the most irritating, that you find the most guiling, the ones that really kind of get you going. Yeah. And then and you're looking at me. <clears> no, so no, <laughs> exactly. I can think of a list there. <laughs> so uh, and I can re- and I can refer that back to me. Absolutely. So that is the point here, isn't it? It's like you look at your partner. There is material here. There are qualities that you find really frustrating. Then think about how does that relate to you? Is this your own shadow material? Is this what's manifesting here? 
the very qualities that you find irritating in your partner are qualities that maybe you really dislike about yourself, that you just have to disown about yourself. Yeah, and of course that doesn't mean that every quality we don't like about a partner is to do with shadow, but I think no. it's a good, you know, I think often it does bring up that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does bring those things up we don't like to acknowledge within ourselves. Mm. I mean, even some useful impulses like creativity... Uh, could get suppressed because we're seen, you know, we're made to believe those things aren't okay. Mm. For example, I, I think, you know, for example, a child who daydreams a lot or mm. the mind wanders and the parents are always saying, stop daydreaming, listen to what I'm saying. And so mm. that's when we shut off. Mm. I mean, I know my dad, my dad who um, was a scientist, but he was also a professional photographer and did that more in his later years. Mm-hmm. But he was very adamant, saying he, how uncreative he was. And because mm. I was a musician, he always said he wished he could have been creative like me, even though he was design, creating mm. these amazing Beautiful works. Beautiful photos. Of, yeah, these yeah. amazing photos. Yeah. And for me, that almost is a sense, maybe at some point, he was taught that there's something wrong with that creative expression. Mm. It was something that, you know, it's, it's not okay mm. to be creative. You have to be scientific. And so that was almost like that shadow part of that creativity, which Mm. was being expressed, but there was no, you know, there was almost that inability to see himself as that because there was something to own it. Yeah, 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 to really own it, take responsibility for it because he probably saw it as frivolous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was a sense of almost inadequacy within that, Mm. that, you know, somehow creativity, you know, Mm. maybe there was something, you know, he, he felt somehow inadequate that he couldn't connect with that creativity. Yeah, or often I can imagine that often the message is um, from parents that, or used to be, and maybe that's, I think that has changed now, you know, don't sort of waste your time on things that <clears throat> that are useless or they're not going to give you, earn you any money later on in life or um, that are, you know, that are not really, you know, where you're not learning something that are not sort of obviously um, reaping a direct reward yeah, Something so, like that. So I became his shadow. Yes, you were. Exactly, you <laughs> yeah, were his shadow. The, the projected know. shadow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Doing all... sort of music and all the arts and sort mm-hmm. of uh, therapy and things that maybe were seen as totally, mm-hmm. you know, non, non-standard jobs. Yeah. How did you relate to that, do you think, your dad? Uh, well, actually, that was the interesting thing. I think he actually enjoyed it. I mean, mm-hmm. there was clearly that sense of you know, in terms of having a proper job was the thing you were meant to do. Mm. But at some level, there was, I think, that that sense of enjoyment that that side of him maybe that he couldn't acknowledge mm. was was actually somehow being expressed with his son. Mm. Mm. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there's rich material. So there's not just the the dark side of the shadow, because I think shadow often also relates to our understanding of what is evil in mm. society. So we all have an idea, I think, a collective, well, a culturally primed collective understanding of what constitutes evil. Mm. Uh, I say culturally um, defined because I'm thinking about um, such a thing as female genital mutilation, which, you know, I think of as absolutely abhorrent, but mm. I know that in other cultures it's entirely acceptable mm. and something that is, um, you know, carried forward through generations. So, so um, shadow also relates to our understanding of what is, uh, what is, what is bad, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I think it's also important 
maybe to add that it's not in the entire culture that isn't seen as abhorrent. I think no. there's a lot of people in of even the cultures where it's sure, still sure. seen as abhorrent, but culture sure. is still that norm. Yes, no, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, good. Um, th thanks for clarifying that. I agree, of course. Yeah, I, I know that's what you meant. I just, yeah. just for anybody listening, I think. It's just, yeah, just, yeah. yeah, it's one example. I mean, I think we might all have, whereas there might be some other... Um, evils in mm. society that would universally be described as something that's not acceptable. I think we all have that. These are all sort of our cultural, moral uh, boundaries that yeah. we have set. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so beginning to acknowledge that side of us that maybe we have like pushed down that we don't want to acknowledge and not seeing it necessarily as wrong, not seeing it as evil. I and mean, of course, mm -hmm. there are aspects like rage as aspects where harming other people, you mm -hmm. know, are important that those, mm -hmm. you know, don't aren't expressed, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but I think also being able to kind of be open to, we've learned at some point that these things are not acceptable, mm -hmm. they're shameful, that would be punished for them. Mm -hmm. But beginning to explore, you know, what may be the aspects within these parts of our shadow that actually have useful qualities, mm. that actually may serve us to begin to have compassion for. And I think having compassion for those parts of ourselves as well. Mm. You know, having compassion for our shadow, having compassion for the fact that we do store these things down at some point because we've learned that it's not okay because of mm. what our parents or what our carers have taught us. Mm. And at that point, that, that, that served that purpose. Mm. But is that purpose still being served now? Are there aspects of those things that we've hidden away that actually could serve us more fully now as well when we acknowledge them? And it's not acknowledging, it's not taking on board everything. It's not kind of thinking, I've let my shadow take over, like in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But it's not saying that it's black and white. It's not that all qualities no. are bad, all these qualities are good. You know, there mm. may be shades of grey within them and we can see some things as good or bad, depending on the context. Well, absolutely. And we have to evaluate that. So we might also have to evaluate to what extent the shadow um, serves a purpose in terms of our social cohesion and in terms of what the boundaries are in particular groups or organisations. Mm. What's permissible, what's not permissible, what needs to stay in the shadow and yeah. what you know, what can come out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind of negotiating that. The same is true then, you know, in, in, a, in a smaller context in terms of couple relationships. So what is it, you know, what is it that serves us well in terms of our cohesion as a couple? What keeps our system going? What is it that we should keep in the shadow? And what is it that we should, you know, I mean, we need to look at it. And what, you know, I'm not saying keep it in the shadow. You ultimately look at everything and make some sense of it. What is it that we need to um, tolerate or still um, assess as a, a bad quality, so to speak? And what is it that also make, makes us consider um, the, the whole range of qualities that might be associated with particular behaviours? Yeah, absolutely. So it's that, that exploration and kind of finding that way to, well, I, I think starting with that reflection mm -hmm. that we talked about, that self-reflection that acknowledgement and 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 using that source of feedback from how we feel about those things within our partners as that source of learning mm -hmm. hmm. yeah and and we see i think sometimes it is oversimplified 
in the media and in kind of films, you know, even in a film such like Star Wars, where there's the dark side and, you know, you see that struggle between good and evil. We see this in books and literature. And, mm. and as you talked about, often it's, it's made, it's a little bit oversimplified mm. that it's either good or bad. But as we talked about, it's learning that, you know, there may be qualities in the shadow that it's not as easy. We can't really label something as good or bad. It depends on the context. It depends on what your learnings are about them. And it's what you do with those qualities mm -hmm. afterwards. Mm, absolutely. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we can't, uh, as I say, it's also being clear that the shadow serves a good purpose. Um, because if we didn't learn that certain qualities are not acceptable, we might be going out and, you know, engaging in road rage every day. Yeah, and, and some those. people do. And some people do, yeah. exactly. And that's not helpful, is it? No, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Good. So we're going to wrap this one up. Um, please tune in next time. Press subscribe. And we look forward to speaking with you next week. Head over to therelationshipmaze.com for more resources on how to improve your relationships. And you can take our online conflict style quiz. See you next week. Take care until then. <laughs>